0: Okay, if you would take your Bible and turn to uh, 3 John, 3 John, it's toward the end, just before the book of Revelation, good to have pretty much everybody back, of course Robert's out this morning, but Garrison, but most others are back, it's good to see everyone, Third John, <clears throat> I'm gonna read again the, all fourteen verses, where the Bible says the elder unto the well beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved I wish above all things thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in the truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but the who love to have the preeminence among them receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath a good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. So the title of the message this morning is Prospering for the Lord. Prospering for the Lord, taken there from verse 2. Let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love, your mercies, which are new every morning. Thank you your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your written record that you've given us. And we pray as we look into this passage of scripture this morning that we learn and grow in our understanding of thy truth and your desire and will for our lives, that we might glorify you, we might be laborers together with you and your fellow helpers in ministry. So, Lord, just, just help us, we pray, and be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This little epistle is not really. Written, it's written to a man, as uh, sort of like First and Second Timothy and Titus are written, particularly to pastors. Uh, it's not certain who Gaius is. You know, there's about the word. The name Gaius is quite frequent, especially in the Book of Acts. Uh, there was a Gaius of Macedonia. There was a Gaius of a Ki that. All these helped Paul. Uh, it's not certain whether they're the, the they're all the same person or if there's there was more than one. It appears that there was more than one, even in the book of Acts. And then this Gaius is probably another man by that same name. It was a common name evidently during that time. But it's written to him, uh, and concerning. Uh, uh, laboring together and what, and it gives us a picture of what, you know, it appears that this is not a pastor, but what, uh, and I I don't know hardly how to say this, what people who are not in the ministry in particularly, how they labor together with those that that are in the ministry and are a vital and important part, might say just as important as those who do labor in ministry, and the value in that. And so as we consider this this morning, on those three things, first of all, the prayer for prosperity, that's the first point. I know that sounds strange for being coming from an independent Baptist preacher, but I don't think it'll be strange once once I explain. Uh, So the prayer for prosperity, the praise for providing hospitality, and then the peril of pride. So first of all, the prayer for prosperity. We, we see this in verses 1 through 4. He says, The elder, we understand this to be John, unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish, above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now that word wish really means I pray for. I'm praying that you would prosper. Uh, prosper. In... This word "prosper" means to be successful, and it is, is, is. Consider this prayer for prosperity. I want to notice three things about this. First of all, it is God's purpose for us to be successful. Do you know that God doesn't want you to be a failure in life? He don't even want you to be a failure in business. He wants you to prosper, uh, to be successful. Romans 12, and 11 says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know, we're to serve our Lord. You know, e- e- even in business, you are to serve the Lord. And God, It's God's desire that we prosper. You know, 1 Corinthians sixteen two says, upon the first day of the week, Let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him. That there be no gatherings when, when I come. And you know, as I read that, as was preparing this, and as I read that verse, you know, the, the thought came to me, you know what? God expects us, as we apply ourselves to the vocation He's given us, He expects us to prosper. It's His desire that we prosper. It's not His desire that we be poor and in need and all that. No, it's His desire that we prosper. Prosper. There is no reward for purposeful poverty by slothfulness we're not to be slothful in business by slothfulness or frolic that's just foolishness and fun you know the world lives for pleasure and fun that's all they live for and i'm not saying we shouldn't have fun i think you ought to enjoy what you do you know uh, but there's no there's no the reward for purposeful poverty by slothfulness frolic and foolishness and wastefulness of time and possessions. God doesn't give us things to waste or just to to use up. He gives us things to prosper. And you know, there's a purpose for that, and we'll get to that. You know, His desire for Israel was that they prosper, as a nation and as a people. Uh, they were. They would. He wanted them to lend to nations. In fact, go to Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight <clears throat> and verses one through thirteen. Deuteronomy twenty-eight, verse one. And it shall come to pass. And, and notice the the order here. There is an order here, and this is the blessing of God, and they are to walk with God, but. It shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all the blessings shall come on thee, all these blessings shall come on thee, and overtake thee, and if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Now, now interesting, interesting, he says, all these blessings shall come on thee, and overtake thee. It's not. It's kind of like, God's going to shower them on you if you diligently keep His commandments. You know, one of the commands of God is you're to work. That's a command. To have, to live, and to give. Anyway, let's go on. Verse 3, Blessed shalt thou be in the city, blessed shalt thou be in the field. "'Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket, and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses.'" And in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee an holy people unto himself, as he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep thy commandments of the Lord thy God, and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee." And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give rain unto thy land, in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only. Thou shalt not be beneath, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, to observe and to do them. And so, this was God's purpose and plan for Israel was that they prosper. As a people. They would lend to nations and not borrow. And it is God's purpose for us to be successful. You know, we are to be good stewards of what God has given us. Apply ourselves to what God has given us and to use it wisely for his glory. So, so you know, it's God's purpose for us to be successful. Secondly, it's the Lord's will for us to prosper, and this is the most important part, and everything else is prefaced by this to prosper spiritually. If you notice in verse 2, again, he said, Above it, I wish and above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. Now, the word health here means to be sound, to be well, to be in good health, properly, metaphorically. It is you phrase used of one whose Christian opinions are free from any admixture of error. So we're not we're talking about something beyond just health of body. We're talking about health of spirit. A heart that is right with God. Right with God. And a heart that is right with God. You know, when your heart's right with God, it also affects you physically. If your heart's not right with God, it affects you physically. Guilt. Guilt can be a destroyer. It creates stress and all those things. Uh, You know, so so God wants us to prosper spiritually, to apply the word of God to our life, that it may benefit us, and, and, and cause us to prosper. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. In verse, and we see this in the life of the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> uh, in 1 Timothy 1 verse 8, Paul writing to you on Timothy says this, But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. "...knowing this, that the law is not made for righteous men, but for the lawless, disobedient, for the ungodly, and for sinners, for unholy, unprofane, for murderers for fathers, and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for homongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who before was a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of the Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me... First, Jesus Christ might show forth all suffering for a pattern of them which should hereafter believe on Him to everlasting life. Now he starts out by saying, the law is not made for a righteous man. Now somebody has been made, has received the Lord Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, they have a higher law than the law. It's the law of Christ. See, the law says, thou shalt not kill. Christ said, you're not to be angry with your brother. The law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Christ said, don't look on a woman to lust after her within your heart. See, a Christian doesn't need the law of God to govern his life. Because Jesus strengthened the law. He went even beyond the letter of the law and, the, and, and really went to the spirit of the law. But it's made for, and it's made for the ungodly, for sinners, for whoremongers, blasphemers. And Paul was one of those. And it was the law of God that changed Paul's life. That caused him to see that he was headed for destruction and death. You see, Paul says the law is good. It teaches, it instructs, it corrects the lawless, like me, like I was. I was a lawbreaker. I was a blasphemer. And you know, in Romans 7, 9, he says this, For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. See, the law showed him what he was and where he was going, and he was headed for death and destruction. That's where he was headed. If you're without Christ, you're headed for death and destruction. You're under the curse of the law. But he chose death to self. He said, I died. See, Saul died on the road to Damascus. He died to self. You know, he would say in Galatians two, "I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live; yet not I, but Christ liveth in me." Saul died. He died to self. He—he—that's what repentance really is. He died to self. He—he he saw himself as before, before God. Saw God for who He was, and, and and God gave him life with God, faith in Christ, and so. Now he prospers spiritually and physically. It affected him. Yet before he was an angry, belligerent, wicked, hard man. But now a man who preaches the gospel. You see, it is the Lord's will that you prosper spiritually. That you choose life. You know, Joshua 1.8 says, This book of law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You know, in Titus 1.9, the Bible says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able to sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. And the gainsayers are those that oppose oneself. One. In other words, they decline to obey the Lord. They declare themselves against God. They refuse to have anything to do with Him. They won't accept what He says. That's a gainsayer. And they're opposing, really, they're opposing themselves. You, have Timothy, or Paul would write to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. In verse 24 and 26, and say, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if perventure God will will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. If you're resisting God, you're in captivity to the devil and his will. But you can only remain there as long as you allow yourself. It's you that has the power of choice. You have the power of choice. You can either choose life or choose death. <laughs> Paul wrote Titus and said, Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. You know what you need to you need heed to sound doctrine? To truth. Doctrine is really truth. What is right? It's the Lord's will for you and I to prosper spiritually. To walk with the Lord. To walk in truth. He goes on and says, to walk in truth. Yeah, you know, that's really what prospering means, spiritually, is to walk in truth. Verses 3 and 4 says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, it appears that Gaius may have been somebody that John led to the Lord and he considered him his son in the faith. And, so, and he says, you know, it, it, there's nothing that brings me as much joy as to, as to hear that my children walk in the truth. The word walk us here means Again, to regulate one's life. We looked at this a little bit last week. To conduct oneself according, oneself according to the truth. In Ephesians 4, 1 and 2, he says, Paul said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness and long suffering, forbearing one another in love... Romans thirteen thirteen says so let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Your chambering is cohabitation, uh, uh, wantonness is unbridled lust, living for pleasure, strife is contention. Are you in strife? What is it to walk in truth? Spurgeon said this, quote, What is it to walk in truth? It is not walking in the truth, or else some would have supposed it meant that John was overjoyed because they were sound in doctrine and cared little for anything else. His joyous survey did include their orthodoxy in creed, in other words, their right doctrine, but it reached far beyond. To walk in truth means to walk consistent with the truth you believe. If you believe you are fallen, then walk. Worry of your fallenness. If you believe you are a child of God, then walk like a child of heaven. If you believe you are forgiven, then walk like a forgiven person. Unquote. See, walk is more than just, I know it's right. It's walking in that right. It's living in that right. It's doing that right. It's applying it to life. That's what it means to walk into truth. And that is prospering spiritually. To walk in truth means to walk in a way that is real, that is genuine, without any phoniness or concealment. Walking in truth is to walk in, in peace of mind and heart with the Lord. I would submit to you that our Crazy houses are filled with people and, and our streets are filled with people who are not right with God and, and they're not right with society and, they, and, and they, they cannot function in society and they live on drugs because they're not right with God. They have no peace of mind. Your Proverbs 18.14 says, The spirit of man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. A wounded spirit. Proverbs 15.13 says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Proverbs 15.15, 15, All the days of the afflicted are evil. Are you afflicted in your heart, your mind, your soul? But the he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Proverbs 17.22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. You know, a guilty heart and mind will be a troubled and anxious one. Whether it is spiritual or physical or material, God expects us to be good stewards of what he has given us and to prosper. Good stewards of our time, our talents, our abilities, our business, and that we may prosper in all areas of life for his glory. That's God's will. Secondly, we see the praise for providing hospitality. Verses 5 through 8. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth now the word hospitality is not mentioned here but this is what he's talking about the word hospitality really means the quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm friendly generous way generous to guests that's the idea of hospitality the word is used 14 times or not 14 times four times in the new testament Romans 12:13 says, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given given to hospitality. 1 Timothy 3, verse 2 says, a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Titus 1, 8 again, but a lover of hospitality. This is about uh, bishops or pastors also. A lover of hospitality, lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. And 1 Peter 4.9 says, Use hospitality one to another without graduate. And he says, He commends him, or he praises Gaius, for being hospitable to brethren and strangers. Now, we understand who brethren are. Other believers. But strangers. This word is used several times in the scriptures. And it's a little bit, it's not really clear exactly what it exactly it means. But, It's defined as a foreigner, stranger, alien, without knowledge of, without a share in. And uh, to help us understand the word stranger, Job 31, 32 says, The stranger did not lodge in the street, but I opened my doors to the traveler. So it was somebody he did not know. You know, there's a story about a wayfaring man, and he, he camps out in the night in the street, and this old man comes out of the field. This is in Judges, actually, and he sees him out in the street, and he says, and, you know, In Byler's revised version here, look, you, you can't stay in the street. Come into my house. And so he took the stranger into the house. This is kind of the idea. He was hospitable. Uh, <clears throat> now, in Hebrews eleven thirteen, it, the Bible says this, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. So here in this passage, it's obviously talking about Christian people. Now, we know from history that this writing was a time of great persecution. So it is probable that sometimes pastors, missionaries, and they've been called evangelists, missionaries, would be on the run from persecution, fleeing for their lives. And leaders, you know, we know that leaders were sought out for arrest and for persecution. And it would be just a few years and John himself would be banished to the Isle of Patmos. Revelation chapter 1 tells us this. And so, this man, Gaius, he gave himself to providing Lodging and shelter for brethren and strangers. Strangers. Uh, and, and John commends him, he says in verse 6, Which have borne witness of thy charity. Now the word charity means benevolence. So he provided out of his own means for these strangers and brethren who would pass through the area and provide lodging and food and shelter or whatever they needed uh, for them. <coughs> and But it goes beyond that. If you notice in verse six also, he says, which are born witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey." In other words, the, word, the words Thou bring forward on the journey are one Greek word, which really mean to set one forward to fit him out with requisites for his journey." Of so OK, so a stranger comes through and he doesn't have anything. He may be running from the authorities. He doesn't want to make himself known. You know, if, if you were fleeing somebody from somebody from the, from, from the government or from persecution, and, and you found lodging at someone's house, you wouldn't want to give them your name, because and, and, they could be implicated also. So you want to do as much as this in secrecy so you didn't know. But he, he, he has nothing and he needs something to help him on his way so you provide that for him. You know, in today's society, you might have an extra car so you'd give him a car. You might have some... Some, some canned goods and that, that he could eat, you know, in days and weeks ahead. So you give him some of that. So he might need some extra clothing. And so you give him some clothing. In other words, you provide all the things that he needs for his journey. That's the idea here. And this was what Gaius was doing. Now, let me ask you a question. If Gaius wasn't prosperous, could he do this? But Gaius, notice what he calls him here. In verse 8, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. You know, when, in Acts 15, when Paul and Barnabas went to Jerusalem... It says this in verse 3 they being brought on their way by the church. In other words, the church paid the expenses, provide the means for them to go to Jerusalem. And this is the idea expenses paid. Look at Matthew. You see, and this is this is this is if, if a if a man can prosper, he can provide these things, and he is fellow helper with the truth. And the church was a fellow helper with Paul and Barnabas. but go to Matthew chapter 10. And we see this. Jesus taught this in the gospel of Matthew during his earthly ministry. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 40, he says, "He that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth him me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in our and we would use the term Preacher today, or pastor. Prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. and He that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. In other words, if you provide lodging and you fit the man out with the things he has need of, a, 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 a prophet or a preacher or a pastor or a righteous man, a stranger, whoever it is, you're going to receive of that righteous man's reward. That's what he's saying. Verse 42. And whosoever shall give to drink Unto one of these little ones, a cup of cold water in my name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he in no wise shall lose his reward. Go to chapter 25 also. Chapter 25. <clears throat> verse 31. Chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory. So now we're, now we're at the judgment. And all the holy angels with him, and he shall sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd, divide his sheep from the goats. He shall shut the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, that be the sheep. Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Negged, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee? Or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee, a stranger, and took thee in? Or naked or and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee, sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, My brethren, you have done it unto me. You see, when you, you, know, Hebrews 13 talks about entertaining strangers unawares. <laughs> and that's the same idea here. But when you use of your means to help those brethren or strangers in need, You are a fellow helper of the truth. And you will be rewarded for your labor. You see, Gaius, because Gaius was a successful and prosperous man, he had means whereby he could be charitable and hospitable to those in need. And the Lord considers this to his ministering to his ministers of such value and praise to have it recorded in a scriptural record for us it is laboring together with God and there will be sure reward for those that provide but I don't notice the third thing And that is the peril of pride. I struggled with ending this message on this, but this is the order of it in the book. Verses 9 through 11. I wrote unto the church. But the who loveth to have the preeminence among them receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, forbideth them that would, and cast them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. The word preeminence here means to aspire after preeminence, to desire to be first. Now, it's not really believed uh, that this man was a pastor. It's, you know, again, these details are not given to us. Uh, a church is spoken of here, but maybe a church without a pastor um, at this time. And of course, John plans on going to this church, and it may be to set up a pastor. And some believe probably Demetrius would be that person, but uh, of whom he writes here. But anyway, but there's this—he's there's this, in some kind of leadership position in the church. This Diotrephes, and he loved the preeminence. It was his way or the highway. He was going to be first. who's this like in the Bible? One commentator said this, quote, This is the original and greatest of all sins. It is the sin of Satan, who was unwilling to be what God had created him to be, and who desired rather to be like the Most High. It is the opposite of the nature of Christ, who being in the form of God, thought not rather to be with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him. The form of a servant. Yo know, Satan said in Isaiah 14, Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation the sides of the north. I will ascend above the height of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. This is pride. Love to have the preeminence. He's, and he also says he's prating against us with malicious words. The word prating means to accuse one falsely with malicious words. And malicious means evil and wicked. Somebody has said that, quote, the root of this word was a word that's used to describe the action of water boiling up and throwing off bubbles. You ever put a. Pot on the stove with water in it, and you, and you maybe you know, left it longer than you wanted it, and, and you know it's giving off bubbles. And what good are the bubbles? They're worthless. You know, bubbles are empty and useless. And really, this came to mean indulgence in empty and useless talk. However, it was slanderous, malicious. You, know, this man wasn't content just to try and have leadership. He was malicious and evil if he didn't get his way. You, know, slander is judging motives and used many times just to discredit. It Can be made up lies just to or to just justify or excuse one's own evil actions. You know, they did this so I can do that. That's kind of the idea. You know. Sin never justified in the basis of someone else's sin. No, it was all—it was—it's self-serving. It always is. Diotrephes was only considering himself. He did not consider the brethren. He did not consider the Lord or the Lord's will. It was all about him and what he wanted. And John says very pointedly that. He that doeth good is of God. He that doeth evil hath not seen God. This man is wicked and evil. If you're all about yourself, you're in trouble with God. You're in trouble with God. This man was in trouble with God. Now, you might ask, what authority did John have? He wasn't the pastor of the church. No, he wasn't. But we remember, we're still in the apostolic age. John was an apostle. He had authority above pastors at that time. There are no apostles today. But he had authority. And he would deal with him when he came. See, pride is a destroyer. Puffling up yourself in pride against God, against God-given authority, will bring you trouble, shame, misery, and hardship. Neodiotrephes is about to receive the judgment of God against him. Verse 10 again, it says, Whenfore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. Not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, for them that would, and cast them out of the church. But I'll conclude with this. No, we need to be of those that walk in truth. That are of good report. Look at verse 12. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record. And you know that our record is true. Be of those... that of good report. That word good report means have an honorable testimony. Be those that are fellow helpers to the truth. Be faithful to keep God's commandments that he might prosper you so that you can be more effective as a fellow helper to the truth. You know, so often people, are, people get edgy when you talk about money. But, you know, it takes money to do anything. It's part of life. It takes money to run a ministry. To provide for the needs of the ministry. And though you may not be in the ministry, quote-unquote, you can be a fellow helper in the ministry. If you will be faithful. To what God has given you to do. And let him prosper you. That you may use that prosperity. For his glory. See the was all about. Oh he wanted to prosper. But he, it was all about him. Gaius wanted to prosper. But he wanted to use his prosperity. Not only to help himself. But to be a fellow helper to the truth so yes it is God's will for you to prosper it's God's desire but will you seek him first you know the key to Israel was they were to keep his commandments and he would prosper them Matthew six thirty three says Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. And it's God that does the adding. You can think you can work it out your own way. And I've seen many of them try it. You can think you can work it out your own way. But God's way is the way of blessing, of peace, and of prosperity. I wish, above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health.